Good afternoon, guys, and thank you for clicking on our, the Stingray and Tuck show here on blogtalkradio.com. We're going to talk about the big question, why is the SEC the best conference? Plus, we're going to talk about the NBA draft, the NFL draft, and the college football spring games coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we get you ready for all things sports here on the first ever Stingray and Tuck show. Welcome in to the first ever Stingray and Tuck show. I am your host, Stephen Ray, a.k.a. Stingray, from the Paul Feinbaum Show. And I wanted to take this opportunity real quick to give you a background on Stingray. I was born and raised in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and actually graduated from the University of Alabama with a sports broadcasting degree, and I am a big Mississippi State fan. And real quick, I wanted to go into why I am a big Mississippi State fan. Uh, All throughout my uh, middle school and high school years, I wanted to be a meteorologist. So I went over there and toured the campus at Mississippi State and fell in love with the Southern Hospitality at Mississippi State and actually got accepted for meteorology, and that is the reason I like Mississippi State is because the meteorology program and the uniqueness of the university. But like I said, I came back and got my degree in sports broadcasting in Tuscaloosa, and of course I am the Stingray from the Paul Feinbaum Show. But I do have a co-host here with me, and I'm going to let him introduce himself right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you very much, Stingray. And my name is Landon Tucker, uh, here from the Stingray and Tuck Show. Uh, I am actually along uh, from Starkville, Mississippi, uh, and I, I met Stephen um, a few years back, and uh, we both kind of shared a, shared a love for sports and a love for uh, love for radio, and that uh, kind of worked out. And so, uh, obviously, uh, on here with the show, we both have a tie to Mississippi State and to the University of Alabama, uh, but we want to make sure we remain completely uh, un- unbiased throughout this entire uh, in- entire journey of the show. Uh, we just love sports uh, and love people. So we are really excited to uh, kick it off and have this be the very first show uh, of the Stingray and Tuck Show. And uh, like he said, we are Mississippi State fans, but I want to let everybody know out there, we will be talking about the ACC. We will be talking about the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and, of course, the SEC. So we are going to be kind of a broad spectrum here. We're also going to talk about the NBA and the NFL and also college basketball. And I think we also really need to start right now with some news that hits pretty close to home when you say the Jeffrey Simmons situation at Mississippi State. Um, Jeffrey Simmons, it was the number one overall recruit in the state of Mississippi, and he um, he signed with Mississippi State on signing day, but then he got himself into a little bit of trouble, didn't he? Yeah, and it's, it's very unfortunate because no matter if you're a number one prospect or if you're completely unheard of, uh, any time that you were involved with any sort of case of, of hitting a woman, hitting a girl, it, it's absolutely unexcusable. 
Um, and and that's that's kind of the thing is we cannot uh, Dan Mullen at Mississippi State cannot treat this guy any different than he would uh, some guy who's going to be fourth string, let alone someone who's going to be a starring and a start. Um, anytime there is a woman being involved with being assaulted in any sort of way, um, that that goes way beyond football. Football is just a game, uh, and we all love it. But this is this is more of an issue about life, and so. Uh, I, in my opinion, I don't really think he should even play for the very first year. He's at he's at state. Uh, I completely agree. Now, of course, I am a as as everybody knows, I'm a big Mississippi State fan, but I cannot condone that kind of behavior, and I can't literally sweep it under the rug and be like, oh well, he plays for Mississippi State. I'm just going to let this slide. So I agree with Landon here. I, I do believe he should not play the first year at Mississippi State, or even if he wanted to go to the JUCO. Uh, you know, junior college and then transfer back into Mississippi State at a later date, that would be even great as well to kind of get um, his life back on track after this. Absolutely. And, and you want the kid to be, to be disciplined one way or another. So whether he leaves Mississippi State and goes to a junior college and, and other schools get him, that's fine. Whether, whether Dan Mullen says, look, uh, you're gonna, we're not going to kick you off the team instead, we'll just burn a year of your eligibility. We won't use a red shirt. We're just not going to play you this entire year. I'd be okay with any sort of situation to where he actually learns from it and it's not just kind of, well, we'll suspend you for a few games here and there because then he doesn't really learn a lesson. Uh, It's really learn whenever that discipline is, is really kind of a slap, not really a slap on the wrist, but something greater. Well, Jeffrey Simmons is not the only Mississippi State player currently on the roster to have uh, problems. Also, um, I'm not sure his first name. Afferny. Afferny. Yeah, that's a weird first name. It is. It It is. Pretty solid. Uh, Afferny. Mullins was arrested on over the weekend on assault charges, and those are pretty serious too. They're right up there with a uh, domestic violence charge. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, and obviously, and here's the difference between those two: is that one we we have a video of Jeffrey yes. Simmons, the other one we don't. Okay, well, if they're both true, I don't really care to see the video. I I, I just I, I don't I don't feel like it should be treated any any differently as long as there is absolutely uh, confirmed reports by the police of where that was. Um, he should be disciplined the exact same way. And um, he is he did redshirt last year and is coming into his sophomore year this year. Right. Um, and either way, I, obviously, I don't think Mullins would be a, a very big contributor as far as this year goes. But Simmons would be a very big impact guy. But I think Mullen would send a giant message to the recruits coming in or even current players that, look, I don't care how talented you are, you're not going to play if you break the rules or do any sort of thing that's disrespectful uh, and definitely against the law. Um, obviously, uh, with, with Simmons and Mullins both having charges against them, um, unfortunately, there were two leaders of the team this past year uh, that were also arrested on, on different charges, that being uh, defensive lineman Chris Jones and obviously the quarterback Dak Prescott from Mississippi State. Yes, Dak and Chris Jones have both already declared for the the NFL draft, but they were arrested in Starkville on uh, DUI charges, and both of those, especially with the NFL draft coming up, those are really boneheaded moves. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's, here's the deal, Stephen. If, if I said, look, I'm going to give you – millions of dollars. I'm going to give you millions of dollars here in about three months. But the only challenge I have to you is don't get in trouble with the law. 
would you feel like you'd try to keep your nose clean oh, the best you absolutely. could? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's it's just it's a bonehead move on both sides. I you know, I don't understand it. That's one part I've never been a college athlete. I don't know the pressure it brings, but I would say that if if I had potentially millions of dollars on the line, I would try my best to keep my best behavior. And both of those were, uh, quote-unquote, star players at Mississippi State and could have long, fulfilling careers in the NFL. And so um, that's just a stupid move, and we hope that that doesn't hurt their chances of, of getting a higher seed in the draft. How do you think that will affect them? Yeah, uh, I definitely think it would affect it because I think NFL GMs are thinking the exact same thing. On a literal basis, hey, I'm going to give you this amount of dollars, this and very big sum of money, if you can just uh, do the right thing and, and stay on the right path. And if you can't do that, how can you lead a team? I, I can see how they could absolutely fall in the draft. We uh, are going to talk more about the NFL draft just a little bit later on, but now we're going to stay in the SEC and actually talk about the question that everybody has been debating, asking about, why is the SEC the best conference in the land? Now, of course, a couple of years ago, you know, um, when Mississippi State was number one that year, the SEC was just atrocious in the bowl season. And everybody said, oh, the SEC, everybody could be catching up to the SEC because, well, Alabama lost, LSU lost, um, and just a lot of other teams in the West lost. But with Alabama winning the SEC and the national title last year, I think that goes out the window now. Yeah, and obviously so. And let, let me take you back exactly a year ago today. A year ago today, um, if you're Paul Feinbaum, if, you, if you're any sort of local radio in the South, all you were hearing is Ohio State this, Ohio State this, uh, that. And Urban Meyer had just won the national title. Uh, they had beaten Alabama, obviously, a very good Alabama team. Um, and they had reached the national title and, and won. Okay, and then you look around and you see that Penn State have been hiring great coaches. James Franklin goes to Penn State. Uh, John Harbaugh, obviously, being hired at Michigan. And you start to look around and think, well, the Big Ten is really making a comeback, and the SEC is kind of on, dec- uh, on the decline. And it just goes to show you how winning really can make people be, just be quiet, and that's exactly what Alabama did. And then Alabama had their rematch against a Big Ten team and absolutely slaughtered the Michigan State Spartans in Dallas. I mean, that wasn't even a game. So uh, all bets are off. The SEC is just dominant, and uh, all the others can play catch-up if they want. Absolutely, and, uh, and it's, it's just a mixture of a lot of things. I mean, I don't necessarily know if it's – you know, the places of Texas and, uh, and Louisiana and Florida are so rich in talent uh, in the high school level that these SEC teams go out and get them. And really what's funny is even uh, you look at a team who is mid, if you look at the SEC West and think of a team like uh, like Arkansas, for instance, uh, Arkansas can knock off a lot of people and beat a lot of teams in the country other than obviously their loss versus Toledo last year. Um, you, look at, you look at a team like uh, maybe Tennessee, who's over there in the East, who might not even be a very big uh, contributor in the West, they can beat any sort of team. So there is just so much talent across the board in the SEC that can compete with anybody. Yeah, I completely agree, and uh, when you look at it this year, of course, the SEC with the starting talent that they have, you you have to say that they are a favorite once again to win the four-team playoff in the national championship. Absolutely. At any given time during this season, I would, I'd venture out to say there is at least, at least four teams that are able to win the national title. 
Um, and that comes from, obviously, Alabama. Uh, I think Ole Miss has the talent to do it. Um, I, I also think LSU has enough depth and talent on their team that they could also win a national title. And so there, there's, a, there's a lot of teams in the SEC at any given time could win a national championship. And if you look at other conferences, that might not be the case. Um, you know, you look at a – and this is just traditionally, not just this year. But if you look at a maybe Big Ten – the only team right now that we could say could definitively um, really kind of challenge for a title would be Ohio State. And really, we don't even know how good they're going to be next year. And, you know, also getting back to any team like that, there could also be a uh, surprise team like Florida was last year. Nobody saw Florida winning or even competing in the SEC East, and they made it to Atlanta thanks to Jim McElwain and his great, great coaching. Absolutely. And here's the thing. Until about week seven to week eight, whenever Will Greer uh, was suspended and eventually obviously left the team, transfers to West Virginia, that's a team that is talented enough to compete in the final four of the playoff because their defense was so rock solid and Will Greer had the team going. So at any, like I said, any, any given time, there's at least three to four SEC teams that can win the title. And another one from the West that we did not mention in that list that you did, also Texas A&M. They have the pieces if they can find the correct quarterback, and I think they did in the spring game with Trevor Knight. Absolutely. He's been named the starter. Their defense is, is pretty good, especially comparing it to the past three years. They were atrocious when they first got to the SEC. Oh, yeah. They have gotten so much better on the defensive line. Yep. All right, well, that pretty much sums up the question, and we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about possibly the NBA draft. Absolutely. We're also going to look forward to talking to our SEC correspondent, Stephen M. Smith, writer, uh, football writer for the SEC, and he's going to ask, answer some questions about spring football. Hey, MSU fans and alumni, this is Landon from the Stingray and Tuck Show. Look, are you interested in some awesome cowbell embroidered polos and t-shirts? What about ball caps and unique cowbell clothing items such as belts, bags? Hey, what about even pet accessories? All you have to do is go to cowbellclothing.com and use the special code SR20 at checkout to receive 20% off of your order. And here's the good news. That offer will run through April 15th through the 17th, Super Bulldog Weekend. Welcome back inside the Stingray and Tuck Show. And now we are going to give our SEC correspondent, Stephen M. Smith, a call and talk to him about the SEC and the spring games upcoming. All right, we're about to get in touch with Stephen M. Smith, SEC writer and writer for the Tuscaloosa News. Steven, how you doing, man? Feeling good, yourself? Man, Steven, we are enjoying our night so far. Man, so Steven, we uh we appreciate it. we kind of missed you a little bit earlier, but we are we are ready to ready to talk now. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Y'all call me on Skype yet? Yeah, man, right now. All right, I'm ready to go. All right, man. So, um, obviously, the SEC had a really great year, especially with great year rebounding from this past year uh, with Alabama winning the national title. Now, a lot of different quarterbacks left the SEC or going on to the NFL draft. Um, but out of every team in the SEC, who has the toughest quarterback battle going into the spring? 
Um, if something's going that bad or going into the spring, I guess, um, in, in my opinion, I, I, I kind of have to look at I, I kind of have to look at Alabama in, in a sense of, you know, Alabama is one of those teams where Saban's not going to name or miss on the starting quarterback until whether it's deep into fall camp or early into the first couple of weeks of the regular season versus teams like LSU and of course, Tennessee and Georgia, Florida, a couple of these other programs that more than likely by the end of their A-Day games, they're going to have a starting quarterback listed. I mean, you even see Texas A&M has gone out and has named uh, Trevor Knight, former Oklahoma quarterback, as its starter for next season. So when I look at uh, teams that have the most uh, competitive quarterback battle, number one, I look at Alabama, separately because Saban is not going to give the media any reason to speculate on, you know, who's going to be that guy coming out of spring ball, more than likely it's going to be deep in the fall camp before Alabama really, really gets a whip of who has won the job. Do you think South Carolina uh, has their guy after the spring game? I think they do. Um, I think that Will Muschamp has done a pretty decent job this far in and getting the pieces together, getting everything uh, formulated, everything situated. When you talk about South Carolina, I mean, here's a group that you lose Farrell Cooper, arguably one of the more talented receivers in college football. So you're going to have to have a quarterback that's not just going to take some shots, but also, you know, not be afraid to have that, uh, that strong touchdown interception ratio and not be afraid to kind of give way to the running backs if the run game get going. But I, I think South Carolina's found its guy, and I think, um, I think uh, Will Mushroom's in a fantastic job of getting the players prepared. I was really uh, happy with the way Danny Gordon played uh, during the spring game, but I think he might not be the guy, but I was very pleased with the way you know, Danny Gordon was able to go out there and compete. Hey, uh, Steven. This is uh, Stingray. Uh, I got a question for you. Looking uh, towards this season, give me a couple of sleeper teams to look for in the SEC. Well, what, <clears throat> one sleeper team to me to start off, and, and I wouldn't really call them a sleeper, but because I believe they've really found a quarterback uh, since T-ball, I have to go with Florida. I got a chance to watch their spring game and, Luke Del Rio, he's a journeyman, started his career off in Alabama, about from Alabama to Oregon State. It didn't work out there with head coach Mike Wiley and the Beavers. Uh, he goes to Colorado State, sits down a year, and he travels with, uh, with uh, Jim McElwain to Florida. Luke Del Rio completed uh, 12 or 15 passes in the spring game, had three touchdowns, led you know, four out of five scoring drives. And a guy that has a very thick-time arm, you look at a Florida team that's got of the likes of Antonio Callaway and, and Kelvin Taylor, they've got some pieces over there on offense. And I believe this would be the year that Florida could really, really generate uh, some offense and productivity. So I'm going to go Florida number one. Number two, it's going to shock a lot of people. But I feel like if they can get a quarterback, watch out. And I'm going to say Vanderbilt. 
Vanderbilt, you watched their defense last year under Derrick Mason. It really, really improved down the stretch, especially against Florida, holding the Gators team to only nine points. Florida won that game nine to seven and took a, a couple of field goals to get that thing done. So when I look at Vanderbilt, it can, if it can get his hands on a very, very dominant, doesn't have to be a world leader at quarterback, but somebody that can move the football, move the team, and create you know, big plays offensively, I like Vanderbilt along with, uh, along with Florida. And I guess number three, once again, not really saying this is a sleeper team, but a team nonetheless that can sneak up and, uh, and really make some noise. I got to go with Kentucky. It didn't work for Mark Stoops with, with uh, Patty Ice, uh, Patrick Tolles, but Drew Barker's a guy coming back next season really tends to have the full field of what Mark Stoops wants him to do. Stoops always giving Kentucky these top 25 recruiting classes. Can it finally pay off would be the question. But I look at Vanderbilt, Florida, and also Kentucky. You can also throw Arkansas in there, but without Brandon Allen as your quarterback and losing both Alex Collins and Jonathan Williams at the tailback position, it will be kind of difficult for Arkansas. Okay, I got one other question. Um, how do you see both Mississippi schools ending up this year? This, Ole Miss can have a very good season. Despite you know, losing Robert Kandichi, Denzel Kandichi, uh, both Kandichi boys, and uh, Trey Elston at defensive backfield, also losing there because so uh, Cooper Vaughn and Laquan Treadwell. But this is still a team that returns Chad Kelly at quarterback, uh, Cody Court receiver. Well, not Cody Court, excuse me, DeMaurier Springfellow receiver, Markel Packett receiver, and also Evan Ingram at tight end. All Miss has a chance to really finish third or fourth in the SEC, but they've got to be able to finish games. We watched last year, Ole Miss will come out the gate swinging. They would get a big win against Alabama. But it seems like after Ole Miss plays Alabama or plays an upper echelon SEC team, it tends to run out of gas. Can Hugh Freeze continue to keep the fire going with this team, especially midway of the season, would be the question. For Mississippi State, the tough part is going to be, uh, Sting Ray is finding the next Dak Prescott or finding the next big-time quarterback. Dak really put Mississippi State on the map. And it's not just Dak. You lose to Runya Wilson. You lose Chris Jones in the defensive line. So Chris Jones never really get developed until what they thought he could be at State was still a big-time talent nonetheless. I still see Dan Mullen picking up seven to eight wins. He'll find a way to do so. But I don't think they'll be as hot as what they were last year when Dak Prescott was there in his final season. It would take State a, a minute to find the next big-time quarterback, but the type of coach and offensive mind that Dan Mullen is, I still see Mississippi State pulling off at least seven to eight wins. When I look at Ole Miss, they can be, they can truly be a 10-win team and finish third in the SEC next season. It comes down to how can Hugh Freeze get these guys to go through and finish an entire season without running out of gas. 
I think Landon has a couple more questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking about how Ole Miss did get hot out of the gate, and that's absolutely true. Speaking of hot, uh, which coaches do you feel like going into this season are on the hot seat? Well, number one, you, you got to start off with Matt Miles of MSU, man. And I mean, Matt Miles has been at Tiger Stadium since 2005. He's only beaten Alabama twice. That was in 2007. In, uh, well, he's only beaten Nick Saban twice, I'll put it that way. In 2007, Saban's first year, he beat Alabama 41-34. to And then in 2011, the game of the century, of course, LSU went in that game 9-6. to But aside from those two games, uh, Les Miles has not had success at all against uh, Nick Saban's Alabama unit. And when you look at LSU, it's a team that recruits very well at running back. We've seen the Justin Bittes, Joseph Adais, Charles Scott, uh, Spencer Ware, of course, Leonard Fournette. And then you look at that wide receiver with Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, uh, Demir, Demetrius Fern. Of course, this year's group, you have Trayvon Durrell and Malachi Dupree. LSU always tends to keep a good fullback. It tends to keep defensive line players. Sam Montgomery, uh, Bartivius Mingo, a couple that come to mind. You look at the linebacking core with Perry Riley, Kevin Minner, Raymond Barrow. Uh, they always tend to keep players, recruit players on defense and recruit skilled guys on offense. But since Jamarcus Russell, and we're talking about a guy that's 6'5 at the time, 260 pounds, that could throw and run and make you defend him, since Jamarcus Russell, LSU has not had that quarterback that can really, really do some things and be dynamic on offense. Matt Flynn was okay. Ryan Parallel could have been that guy, but discipline issues hurt him. Uh, Jordan Jefferson and Jerry Lee were eh at best. And then Zach Mettenberger, yes, he had the big arm, but he wasn't really much so of a threat. Uh, Brandon Harris, they hoped he could be that type of player, but since Jamarcus Russell, LSU's quarterback play, has left very little to be desired. So I have Les Miles on the hot seat. He has not won a national championship since 2007. Number two, I look at Kevin Sumlin. Here's a guy that when Texas A&M got him in 2008 from the Houston Cougars, they saw what Sumlin did with that Case Keenum, and A&M, the Aggie Nation, thought that he could bring uh, this team to a national championship, to a Southeastern Conference title once it moved the SEC. But outside of the circus show known as Johnny Manziel in the 2012 season, which A&M went 11-2, uh, the Aggies have gone backwards. They've regressed. They've gone south. They also have been stagnant. Uh, if you look at Texas A&M's play, after the Johnny Manziel show, the Aggies have finished 8-5, and 8-4, of course, they've had a 9-4 season in there, but if they've been inconsistent. And on top of losing both Kyle Allen and Kyle Murray due to the fact that someone tells these guys, every 18-year-old kid that walks away at M, hey, you're going to be the face of my franchise. You can't afford to tell every 18-year-old kid that because that's going to stir up division and tension 
in the locker room, and that's what happened with uh, Kenny, Kenny Hill. That's what happened with Kyle Allen and Kyle Murray. They all eventually left. I and mean, also, you lose Jake Spavital, your offensive coordinator. So, Kevin Sublin, this has to be the year where he has got to get the A&M team at least 10 to 11 wins and kind of calm the, the agony that's going on at Kyle Field. And the number three, I have to go with Butch Jones from Tennessee. Uh, he, he was given a $500,000 contract extension, making him a $4.1 million coach. Uh, he's got the team, he's got the players to win at Tennessee. Joshua Dobson, quarterback. You have a one-two punch with, with uh, Jalen Hurd and Alvin Kamara at running back. The offensive line that were freshmen in 2013, they're now juniors now. So you kind of expect them to know what to do. On defense, they're allowed. Darren Barnett, Jalen Reed, Maven at linebacker, of course, Cameron Sutton in the secondary. This is Tennessee's best chance to really upset some of the upper echelon teams because they have the talent and they have the depth to do it now. So I look at uh, Butch Jones, of course, Les Miles, and also Kevin Sumlin as three of my hot seat coaches going into the next year. Okay, what about the Auburn Tigers and Gus Malzahn? Because this past weekend they had the lowest attendance in a spring game under the Malzahn era. It seems to me that the Auburn fans are really, really upset with what's going on with Gus Malzahn down there. How do you see that situation playing out? I think Gus Malzahn, as of ne- after next year, what he does next year will determine in the year to come, where his seat is. If you look at Malzahn's thing, Ray, his offensive scheme has been found out now. In the early, in the recent seasons, when you play Auburn, you, you see the eye candy formations. You see a lot of motion, but it was just coming out of the shotgun, handing the ball off, zone read, keeps, or zone read, have the, running, have the quarterback pull the ball at the hip of the running back and go down the field to pick up yards. Auburn would throw out of that offense at times, but it was more so eye candy formations around the football, something that you know Gus Malzahn had patented since he was a high school coach in Springdale, Arkansas. So for, for Malzahn, it, it starts number one, they have to have a quarterback. Jeremy Johnson still not fully developed. Uh, Sean White, though he did some good things last year, the same thing, is not fully developed. Uh, they've been talking about this junior college guy that they acquired from East Mississippi. I've seen little tape on him, but he doesn't really jump off the page. I thought Auburn was a little bit shocked that Peyton Barber, who wasn't the most talented running back last year, that goes to Rock Thomas and Joe Bob Robinson, but uh, Peyton Barber had the most production last year. And they were really shocked that he just, you know, went up and declared for the draft, leaving, you know, Joe Biden Robinson and Rod Thomas there to carry the load. Now, those two guys are incapable, but we'll see what happens. And wide receiver, there's an issue there because not, there's not many big-name guys in Auburn, not many physical wide receivers that can go up, snatch the football, and, and make plays. On defense, it's now or never for Carl Lawson. People talk about the great pass rushes, the SEC, the Miles Garrett, the Derek Barnett, the uh, Jonathan Allen of the world. 
where does Carl Lawson fit into that equation next year? We'll really get to see, is he truly, truly healthy? And then with Kevin Steele coming over from LSU as Auburn's defensive coordinator, can he get these guys to play at a high standard, be able to stop the run, be able to be formidable against the pass? For Auburn, it's, it's a full-on deal. It's not just Gus Malzahn, though the offense needs to pick it up, Stingray. It's also defense. Can Auburn really, really stand toe-to-toe with some of these SEC powers and limit their success? All right, you're listening to uh, Stephen M. Smith with um, what uh, magazine are you with in Alabama? Touchdown, Touchdown Alabama magazine. Okay, and I think Landon has one more question for you. Absolutely. Stephen, we do appreciate your time. Stephen, Stephen Smith, prep writer for Touchless News. Um, Stephen, we got, we got about three minutes here. Uh, who do you have ultimately playing in Atlanta at the end of the year in the SEC Championship? Ultimately, in Atlanta at the end of the year, I've got to go Alabama, Georgia, not Alabama, Georgia, excuse me, Alabama, Tennessee. I have the Crimson Tide and the Tennessee Volunteers. I mean, this is the year Tennessee wins the East, and until you really, really find a way to stop Alabama, they're just going to keep scrapping up pieces, putting it out there and continue to win. So I got Alabama and Tennessee in Atlanta. Okay, and one more quick question with that. Who do you have winning round one of that matchup in Knoxville? Round one, it's going to be tough. It's a tough football game. Tennessee fans have an in for Lake Chippen, but I got Alabama by 3-27-24. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on, and we will be in touch with you, okay? No problem. Thank you guys for having me on tonight. All right. Man, that was a lot of stuff to digest, but, man, I tell you what, he knows his football. Absolutely, yeah. Stephen M. Smith is is just fantastic with his information. And every single week, every single week, we are going to bring on a correspondent from a different part of the country. Stephen M. Smith is our SEC correspondent. We'll also have uh, correspondents from the Big 12 ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten. Yes, and also we are going to try and get, uh, I think you had looked up a guy for the NBA, and he's going to supposed to be on next week's show. Yeah, absolutely. We will have an NBA correspondent as well. Um, also, if you continue to keep up with us at, at stingrayandtuckshow.com, we will have weekly articles, and obviously this next week with NBA playoffs starting, um, and all the seeding getting official as of tomorrow night, uh, we will have articles written up for that. Uh, speaking of the NBA draft, so we're going into, uh, now the NBA starting to get into their playoffs, um, and everything's going to be settled to go into the NBA draft. The big question really is, is who's number one? And obviously we still have to have the lottery and the ping pong balls, but let me just go ahead and let you know, Ben Simmons should be the number one pick in the draft, and here's why. People argue Buddy Heald um, often, you know, pretty often, obviously he's a senior. He's a guy that uh, averaged upwards of 25 points per game. And that's great because he, he's a scorer. And in, in today's NBA, you have to score. You gotta have to, you're going to have to be able to have a three ball. And that's something that Buddy Heald does have. He averaged 25 points a game, uh, 5.7 rebounds, two assists. Not really much of a passer, but obviously playing shooting guard doesn't process that. 
people will argue and say you should take him over Ben Simmons because he scores more points. But let me, let me ask you this. If you have someone, let's, let's all say that you're a manager at work, right? And you have the opportunity to promote, hire or promote someone that is not necessarily proven, but has a lot of promise, has a lot of promise. He's very talented. You can see he's a little raw on things, but you know with your skill that you'd be able to edge him up. Or would you rather take someone who is already pretty much a finished product, what you see is probably what you're going to get, um, and stay consistent with that. If you're the Philadelphia 76ers, you cannot afford anymore to uh, take take uh, maybe just a bunch of hype. You take Ben Simmons, and here's why. People, people argue all the time about his scoring ability. The guy averaged 19 points at LSU on a team with a terrible coach, on a team with not much talent, where he's having to do everything. That's a lot of pressure. If you can average 19 points a game and, and almost 12 rebounds a game and then also go ahead and throw in five assists, folks, that's what, that's what LeBron James is doing his first years in the NBA. He's not a spot-up three-point shooter. LeBron or Ben Simmons. There's a lot of comparisons to that. They, they both are not completely solid from the free-throw line. But here's where you're going to get your best foot forward. 20 points a game out of the gate, 12 rebounds a game, five assists. Folks, you, you probably don't even get 12 rebounds a game from your starting center. So the second you, 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 you draft him, you select him number one, and then let everything else fall from that. Obviously, Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram is definitely uh, next on that list. The freshman out of Duke had a fantastic season at Duke, averaging seven, a little over 17 points a game, uh, close to seven rebounds a game and two assists. He's a guy, Stephen, that I think is going to be a potential all-star eventually in Brandon Ingram. I agree. But going back to the Ben Simmons versus uh, Buddy Heald uh, debate, uh, you remember uh, a couple months ago, Oklahoma versus LSU, Big 12 versus SEC showdown, and Buddy Heald and Oklahoma actually beat LSU at LSU. So there is a head-to-head, and Buddy Heald has the upper hand head-to-head. Head-to-head, absolutely. But he, and here's what I'd argue with that, is Oklahoma has a better coach than LSU. Yes, correct. Uh, also, Oklahoma has a lot better supporting cast around him than Ben Simmons did. Oh, yeah. So it's just – and it's really a head-scratcher why Ben Simmons chose to go to LSU in the first place. I, I don't understand that. And they had – the lack of talent uh, can be summed up in this. The SEC championship game – or the SEC tournament, I guess I should say, up in Nashville – in the, I think it was the semifinal game, mm-hmm. LSU, 31 total points for the entire game against Texas A&M. That is embarrassing, and they had 18 points at halftime. Even more embarrassing. Absolutely, and, and here's the thing, and if I'm not, if I'm not uh, mistaken, I'm pretty sure Ben Simmons scored single-digit points in that game. I think it was might, might have been Hornsby or somebody else around him so he didn't contribute a lot, but and don't get scared by that. Do you guys remember Andrew Wiggins at, at Kansas was hit or miss the entire season? In the Big 12 tournament, he had a game at Kansas where he scored one point. Mm-hmm. He did not make one field goal. It was, he made one free throw, and that was it. And people were freaking out. Obviously, the Timberwolves selected him number one, and he's probably going to be an all-star next year. He, he's fantastic. So don't let one or two games scare you. Kobe Bryant – in high school, scored a game of eight points one time. 
obviously did not stop him from being the greatest ever, and we'll talk about him in a little while. That's true. All right, closer to home in the SEC, Mississippi State had one of the best players in the recruiting process, Malik Newman, declare for the NBA draft without even playing a full year because he was injured in a lot of the games. And I personally think he needs to come back for another year just simply because his play was not up there and was not as good as everybody thought. What's your take on that? Yeah, and and obviously, and I've talked to a few different people. Um, I've even talked to trainers at Mississippi State um, who told me, look, the the guy was not 100% the entire season. Um, and for he, he was having issues with, uh, with turf toe and, and different, different things during the year. Um, and so he, he could definitely come back and be a better player. I really love the new draft process, process where anybody in the country, obviously not you and I, Stingray, but any oh, yeah. college basketball player in the country can declare for the draft without, without an agent, see what, uh, see what they are uh, projected to go, um, and then kind of come back if they need another year. Can you imagine you and I playing basketball? Yeah, it wouldn't. Uh, I like to breathe, so that I don't know how that would be. I couldn't be able to breathe, man. Oh, I know. That's just that's that's not big boy football. I mean, that's not a big boy sport. That's, well, maybe a tall big boy. I'll say that if I was taller, that might that might be able to help me out. All right, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the NFL draft and also talk about the college football spring games coming up, and then we are going to talk about and even discuss the 95-96 Bulls versus the current Golden State Warriors. That and much more coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Stingray and Tuck Show. Hey guys, this is Stingray, host of the Stingray and Tuck Show here to tell you about Oz Music in Tuscaloosa. They have new and used CDs, DVDs, LPs, posters, and quick special orders with a 10% discount. You can contact Oz Music at 758-1222. Once again, that's 758-1222. Oz Music, support your local record store. Oz Music is located in the Parkview Shopping Center behind Flowers Bakery in Tuscaloosa. Check them out. Welcome back in to the Stingray and Tuck Show. I'm your co-host, Landon Tucker, along with Stingray. And so we, we kind of talked back and forth between college football and the NBA. Now we go to the thing that the college football stars go into, the NFL draft. Um, obviously, with the Super Bowl already passed, the Denver Broncos winning, the entire draft order is completely set, and the Titans are on the clock. Stephen, who do you have them taking first? Uh, I think they're probably going to take Laramie Tunsil just simply because they need an offensive line to protect uh, Marcus Mariota or whoever they choose as quarterback because they are just awful right now. And you build a team from the inside out, and one of your main keys in the NFL is a good, strong offensive line, and that's what they need. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's the thing. No no quarterback can be very great and very successful without a good offensive line. They make each other. You know, David Carr, 2002, number one pick out of, uh, out of Fresno State to the Houston Texans, was never the same after those first three years. He was sacked more than any quarterback ever in their first three years. He was never the same. And I think that really, really hurts your psyche and hurts your confidence. So Marcus Mariota, who, you know, if you watched him, was decent playing in the season as a rookie. Um, obviously, he kind of went down with injury later on. But if 
Laramie Tunsil goes to the Titans, I think that's that's what you need to do is select him first, let him kind of protect his blind side. A lot of people have argued that Jalen Ramsey should be their first pick, who is an absolute dynamite corner out of, out of Florida State. But I don't think that's where you need to go. I mean, if, if all the quarterback on the opposite team is going to have to do is pass it to the opposite side, and really, I mean, obviously Ramsey's going to be a great player, but a quarterback and offensive tackle, those are things that's going to affect your team the most. Uh, if they hadn't taken Mariota in last year's draft, I would have said probably go with Dak Prescott. But, you know, with the suspend, with the uh, DUI uh, charges uh, pending with Dak Prescott, I don't think he's going to be the number one pick. No, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't see him going for the first few rounds. Probably, no. Possibly third round. Um, and then we have second. We have Cleveland Browns picking number two. And, and the Cleveland Browns have literally just been a dumpster fire. Uh, they, now, they pick up RG3 in free agency, which is interesting. He's still kind of unproven. He's had a great rookie year. And then after that, it's kind of fallen off because of injury. Steven, do they take a quarterback or do they go a different oh, direction? I Man, I don't even know because the last quarterback that they tried to get was, was a complete joke. They tried to get Johnny Mansell. And you see where that left him. Nowhere. And uh, now he is currently being bounced around from team to team to team. So you really have to, if you're you're the Cleveland Browns, you really have to make a slam dunk or your fan base is pretty much going to disappear, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And obviously John, Johnny Manziel taking visits with different teams, and we'll see where he ultimately ends up. Um, the Cleveland Browns are a team that, and the Tennessee Titans used to be like this, the Cleveland Browns every single year can use the best player in this draft. I mean, the, the, every single year they consistently need help everywhere. And unfortunately, quarterback is just – that's one thing that if you need that, the, if you need that, that's the thing you need the most because quarterback is that's where a team starts, where a team finishes. Only, you can only really go as far as your team can take you. A lot of people argue the Denver Broncos, well, the defense won, won the entire Super Bowl. I think the defense – Got them there tremendously. They're insane. Probably one of the best defenses in the Super Bowl we've seen. But you have to have someone on offense to move the ball to. Um, even even back whenever the Ravens were dominant on defense, Trent Dilfer was their quarterback. A lot of people said he's the worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. He moved the ball. I completely disagree there. You may not, but I think the worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl is uh, Russell Wilson. You don't, you don't like Russell Wilson. I do really. not. I do not like his decision-making, and I think if he did not have a good offensive line to help protect him, he would not be a good quarterback. Man, I, I really like Russell Wilson. I do not know you do not like him. He's a cool guy. By the way, uh, speaking of the Seattle Seahawks, did you realize that uh, after this year, Pete Carroll is not – he is the only coach right now in the NFL that does not have a contract extension – through 2017, meaning his contract will end at the end of this season. Yeah, I I, I think the Ravens would. I just think Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks. Pardon me. I think the Seahawks would be foolish not to redo that. I mean, he has built. He's done a great job drafting. That that can be said. I mean, there's guys you can see in the later rounds that end up being stars. You know, Cam Ch- Ch- Chancellor, KJ Wright, guy from Mississippi State. Yes. Um, getting guys on the defensive line as well. Um, he he built those, and also the offensive line as well. You know, he got a lot of slack. Um, also, a lot of people didn't think Russell Wilson should have been taken that early, um, but Russell Wilson is, is has been fantastic. And so, I think Pete Carroll's great. Obviously, I, I will tell you, I think Pete Carroll's got a lot of lucky breaks. 
Um, and obviously some sad news in the NFL this past week as ex-New Orleans Saints uh, football player defensive lineman Will Smith uh, was killed, um, shot in the back uh, after a uh, after a traffic uh, road rage. Uh, right, absolutely. Right after road rage, unfortunately. Um, just a really, really terrible thing uh, to... We also need to mention that he also played college football at where? The Ohio State University. Yeah, he was a player player at Ohio State, and and I was kind of kind of looking around today, and he had three children um, as well. So, uh, just terrible. I think we need to do a brief moment of silence for him. Absolutely, we'll take a 10, 10 second moment of silence for Will Smith. All right. That is for Will Smith. Once again, that is a very, very sad story uh, when you have when you leave behind a wife and children like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Our, our thoughts and prayers are with him. Um, and and he was actually just inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame whenever he learned uh, whenever before this murder happened. So, um, just another reminder, man, to, to really take life uh, seriously and just in, enjoy those moments. And you know, I, I've been there. I've been very angry in a car before. Someone's maybe pulled out in front of me before. Um, it's just best to let things go, man, especially if it's late, or, late at night. Let it go and don't worry about it. Uh, who do you think in this uh, NFL draft could be a surprise lock for a football team? A team – well, there's a few different, few different guys that maybe did not fly as high on the radar. Um, but I'm going to tell you, there's a player that is very shifty and that is really great with this – this year's uh, version of football, and that is Ezekiel Elliott from Ohio State. Ezekiel Elliott uh, is kind of kind of a you know maybe a smaller guy. He's not he does not look like Derrick Henry. He was just a freak. He looks like an oil Derrick with a helmet on. Um, but Ezekiel Elliott is shifty. He can catch the ball um, out of the backfield. In today's NFL, that's what gets you places. You know, Lashawn McCoy uh, a few years ago, whenever he was in Philadelphia, his last year in Philadelphia actually was dynamite catching the ball. And running it. Obviously, the NFL is now passing league, not really more of a, not really a running league as it was. But now, it is much more relied on the pass. So I think Ezekiel. What about you? Um, I, I don't really know right now, but I do have a pressing question for you. Okay. Um, actually, it's a statement and a question. Um, you know, we talked about or Stephen M. Smith brought up that uh, Darunia Wilson left Mississippi State well at his combine or and and pro day at Mississippi State he was slow off the line of scrimmage I think he was like 4.8 something and that is just embarrassing for a wide receiver do you believe he should have come back for his senior year I do yeah I I I do and I don't really understand why he left in the first place. Maybe it's because he didn't have a guy like Dak throwing him the ball. Um, but alone on the skills he has right now, I don't think he's ready to go. I think he is a tremendous. He's a very big body, um, and he can really use that body to be shifty and catch the ball. We saw it a lot in college. He's not very quick. Um, he, he sometimes has balls just completely bounce off his hands enough to the fact that the defender can intercept it. Um, so he definitely needs to clean that up. I say he probably should not have come back. He probably should have come back. Should have come back, yes. Um, I will say this, too, if you watch Teronia Wilson, and a lot of the pro scouts are not liking this about him, he does catch the ball with his body. If you look back at all the great wide receivers in the NFL, you have to catch them with your hands. 
and your fingers. He tries to body the ball, and you cannot do that in the NFL because guys are taught in the NFL to dislodge the football more so than college. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's something that I think will hurt him. But if he's put with the right uh, the right coaches, they'll show him how to catch the ball a little bit better and, and be better. Now, I will tell you this. Ole Miss loses Laquan Treadwell, who is fantastic. Now, Laquan Treadwell is not dynamite fast, but he has great hands. Yes. And uh, I think I think he's going to be really good in the NFL. I really do. Um, he might not be a 1,000-yard receiver, but he's going to be a very good complement to some team. And, and I will say this, too. Even though we're Mississippi State fans, it was a shame that he got injured versus Auburn because it would have been really good, cool to see how far Ole Miss could have gone that year if he'd have stayed healthy. Yeah, and I, I will tell you, I've never had a loss like that. That, that was really tough. Uh, it, would, it would have to be very very hard uh, to have that. So, um, But, you know, going forward, I really do wish him well. And here's the thing. Here, something Ole Miss has, they've locked and reloaded. A.J. Brown, a guy from Starville High School, yes. uh, who is dynamite. Uh, he's a dynamite receiver out of Starville. He is going to be at Ole Miss during the fall. And so – and it, you know it's unfortunate that we that Mississippi State's right in his backyard and we didn't recruit him too well. But I don't know how what happened there, why it didn't happen. But that's water over the bridge now because he's up at that school up north, Ole Miss, and yeah, I guess yeah. we're going to have to defend him later on this season. Absolutely, we right, do, later on in the future too. We do we do wish him well though, um, and along along with that whole crew. Um, going going forward. As far as a bust pick in this draft, maybe someone that people are high on that is just going to fall. I'll let you go first. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Carson Wentz, and let me tell you why. Carson Wentz was at a dominant program in North Dakota State, Division II. Uh, after this year, after they won the national title this year, they have won five straight national championships. So that means before he even stepped foot on campus, they had won a national title. I think Carson Wentz is a product of that system there. Um, obviously, I, he, he shows very good size. He shows NFL quarterback size. I don't necessarily think, uh, because of his competition that he faced, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he, he might have been – he is going to be a good quarterback. He's not going to be great. If you remember, Joe Flacco played at Delaware, another Division two, But also, Delaware was able to really compete against teams that were Division one. So, you were able to see Flacco could really play beyond just the Division two team. So, my bust of the 2016 draft is going to be Carson Wentz. And let me tell you, Stephen, if the Cleveland Browns select him, that's going to be going straight forward because it's like Cleveland Browns, potential bust pick, it always works out. You know, man, I think mine is going to be Paxton Lynch because if you looked at him uh, versus a bad Auburn defense last year, worst defense ever, remember that? <laughs> anyway. Not not trying to cause any disrespect to Auburn, but, you know, that's what I They'll said. They'll get better. They'll get better. Yeah. Uh, he was pretty bad. Paxton Lynch was pretty bad last year against a very bad Auburn defense in the bowl game. So, I think my um, bust pick is going to be Paxton Lynch. Absolutely, yeah. And he, and he caught fire a little bit in the season. Uh, towards the end, as they started losing games, he started kind of drop off a little bit. Um, but now that the college football season's over, and, well, I say over, but really starting to start back up again with college spring football uh, now being here. We have we had a few different games that have happened. Texas A&M has named their starter Trevor Knight, the transfer from Oklahoma. Uh, South Carolina, it looks as if they've got a quarterback. 
Um, and then going into this weekend, the University of Alabama and Mississippi State uh, both, both have games, and we'll be able to learn more as other teams have their spring games. Ole Miss does not have a spring game, so we'll not be able to see any of theirs televised, unfortunately. Um, but with, with, this, with this spring, Stephen, uh, what is it that you feel like is probably the most important thing um, with these new players, maybe early enrollees, that need to learn now? Uh, well, not only that, but the teams that need quarterbacks really do need to find quarterbacks like Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi State, just to name a few. And Auburn, for sure, because they – but all three of their quarterbacks look pretty bad this past weekend. And the offensive woes, as the golden boy of last year, Jeremy Johnson, went, I think it was like one of five for one yard, didn't you tell me? Yeah, at, at one point, yeah. He started to pick it up towards the end. But at one point in the game, might have even been halftime, he had like one yard uh, – of yards, so they definitely need to find the quarterback. Apparently, uh, Sean White has emerged as their leader in the locker room. But I, I don't know if you guys saw Sean White play last year. But I don't really know if that's the guy you want. Uh, no disrespect to him personally. I, I'm just saying he he's not what they need. You know, Nick Marshall when he was quarterback, he was not necessarily a, a strong passer, but he could run the ball uh, extremely fast, being a for, former cornerback. Um, and he also was a leader in the locker room as well. That's, that's the kind of guy they need, especially for Gus Malzahn's offense. He needs to get that working again with the, with the speed run and, and throwing kind of different options out there. All right, another uh, big game this past weekend was like uh, Stephen M. Smith uh, referred to was the Florida Spring game, and uh, Jack Del Rio, or Luke Del Rio, I should say, uh, had a pretty decent afternoon yeah. going for them. Oh, he, he, he absolutely is, is – consider their starter at this point not officially but he looked fantastic and here's something else that florida remember florida had uh, terrible kicking woes last year even had students walk on and try to kick yes um they finally get this guy eddie panero i believe it was who's originally committed to the university of alabama he commits to florida since he's a miami native he ends up hitting three field goals in this game two of 50 plus yards and one of 47 yards so Florida, you found your kicker. You can you can relax now. So that, that is one good thing. That's the thing about these spring games. They give you great perspective going into the season of what you have. Obviously, you do not want to show all of your cards, but you do get a little bit of perspective on what you have going into the season. Now, stepping outside the SEC, Florida State also had their spring game. And I want to ask you a question because Jimbo Fisher actually decided to – call this game a tie and end it at 24-all. Does that really prove anything when you tie in the spring game? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, th- I don't – I know the coach wants to do that, maybe don't want to extend the game and get anybody hurt. But the fans who go out there, um, you know, being a fan at a spring game, you see this game, you're sitting there for three hours, you're seeing players in the, so far in the depth chart, you might not even heard of them. Um, you want a really good – ending for a spring game or a really good game for a spring game some games are great some games are not so great and also for the players the players are really excited and and they're passionate about these games because they can kind of get at the guys they've been practicing against all spring and now and you let them tie 24 all come on Jimbo yeah I don't think you should have done that but um and coming kind of stepping back into into the SEC uh Stephen who do you think has the toughest job as a first-year coach Man, I don't know. Uh, probably 
the Missouri coach. Barry, Barry Odom. Yes, Barry Odom. Because he, uh, I mean, because Gary Pinkle had lost complete control of that program and plus all the stuff that had happened with the protesting at the university and all that stuff. They are, they are in a really, really sticky situation up there. So I think it goes Barry Odom and then Will Muschamp and then Kirby Smart. I think the easiest job of the three is no doubt Kirby Smart because he has the talent there to get the job done, not so much at South Carolina, not so much at Missouri. Yeah, absolutely. Will Muschamp's going to have a job. He's going to have to find some good offense. They have not had a good offense there. And probably the past probably three years, I mean, even Stephen Garcia was able to generate some sort of offense at South Carolina. Um, Missouri, it... And you remember they kicked Matty Malk off the team, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, he's gone. Missouri's got to find some sort of offensive flow. Again, defensively, they, they're able to find some rhythm sometimes. Um, but, yes, Georgia, I think, has the easiest. I would say Missouri has the toughest. I completely agree. And uh, Kentucky also, are you surprised that Stephen M. Smith had them as a uh, sleeper team because they lost Patrick Tolles and, um, you know, Mark Stoops hasn't really done anything since he's been there. I mean, they've had each year an opportunity to win one more game to get to a bowl game, and they still can't do it. Yeah, they're going to have to figure some things out. Listen, I like like Drew Barker, this other quarterback. He was a four-star quarterback, much like Tolles was. Um, they got to get him going. Patrick Tolles, uh, Patty Ice, as they called him, was just too inconsistent. So if they're able to find some consistency with Drew Barker, um, I think that Kentucky has some has some players that'll surprise you. Kentucky's kind of ha- the same team pretty much every year. They're a team that is, I would say, in most of their ball games in the first half, and they can be in a lot of their games towards the end. But they just somehow in that second, third quarter, they end up losing it. Um, pretty much every single time. And pretty much the Kentucky fans are, okay, look, there's something to do until uh, basketball comes in. So Absolutely, that's once, true. Once basketball comes in, it's like, okay, to heck with football. Yeah, yeah and that, that is a luxury you get if you have a good, uh, good, a good basketball team. Um, speaking of basketball, we're going to take a quick break. Whenever we come back, we are going to discuss probably the most debated thing in sports right now, and that is – who would win a series between the 95-96 Bulls or the Golden State Warriors of today? We will discuss that and more when we come back on the Stingray and Tuck Show. Welcome back inside the Stingray and Tuck Show. And now we're going to get into the discussion of a lifetime that everybody's talking about, the 95-96 Bulls versus the Warriors of Golden State today. Who would win the series? I'm turning it over to Landon to start us off. Yeah, so this is going to be talked about for a pretty long time, right? Um, Especially, listen, we're on the cusp. We're going to find out Wednesday night if Warriors will break the 95-96 Bulls uh, 72-win record. We're gonna find that out Wednesday night. Um, um, obviously, this is this this entire series is full of history. Okay, these two teams are gonna be looked at as two of the best teams of all time, and it's obvious why. So for the debate, let's just go ahead and throw out what rules apply, which era we're playing in. It just wouldn't be fair to the other team. So 
Um, you know, let's not worry about, well, the Warriors can play with a hand check or, well, the Bulls wouldn't be able to shoot as many threes. Let's not, let's not worry about that. Okay, let's just talk about, let's just talk about basketball. Don't let players it. on players. That's right. So, um, if you had to compare those two, look, do you remember whenever Derrick Rose and the Bulls were good before Derrick Rose um, could sneeze and tear his meniscus? He, you know, he was actually a very good player. Um, and they get into the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're, and they're with Cleveland. Or not with Cleveland. They're with uh, Miami. And whenever LeBron was in Miami with Dwayne Wade. And a lot of people were wondering, well, what's, who's going to cover Derrick Rose? Because he was on fire. I mean, the guy was just averaging a lot of points per game. He was feeding his teammates. Um, and this is really before Jimmy Butler emerged. So uh, kind of discount Jimmy Butler in this. It's just Derrick Rose's team. And what happened? They, they put the best defensive player, LeBron James, on Derrick Rose Completely shut him down. Like, average in the 20s in shooting percentage. Something ridiculous. So, um, going into that, if you look at this series, well, who would cover Steph Curry? I think there's absolutely a way to argue and say that uh, you would have Michael Jordan on Steph Curry. Whenever Kawhi Leonard was guarding Steph Curry the other night, he had an awful shooting night. And obviously, it's because of the size and the length Kawhi has. Michael Jordan is a little bit shorter than Kawhi Leonard, but it still has that length. But then you could also say, well, if you take out Steph Curry, then you go to Clay Thompson or Draymond Green or some of those other guys. How do you see that going out? Well, I think the very easy, easy fix is you throw Scotty on Clay Thompson, uh, let Scotty Pippen go out and defend him, then that kind of shuts down there. Also, people do not give Scotty Pippen enough recognition. Obviously, Michael Jordan is a goat, he's the greatest of all time. Scottie Pippen is fantastic. He could have been a number one player on another team, just like Clay Thompson could be a number one player on another team, but instead they choose to be the Robin to the other person's Batman. Um, so Scottie Pippen would shut down, uh, shut down Clay Thompson, or if not shut him down, would definitely contain him enough to uh, win the series. Then you go to Draymond Green, who's really more of a do-everything sort of guy. I mean, not necessarily does not carry the scoring workload, but why don't we just go ahead and turn that over um, – over to Dennis Rodman, a guy who's Defensive Player of the Year many times, um, who is actually almost the exact same length as him, a little bit taller in 6'8", where Draymond Green is 6'7". He's a guy who can absolutely uh, cover Draymond and really shut him down as well. I think in a defensive position is the reason the 95-96 Bulls would win. Obviously, Steph Curry can shoot up threes. They're insane and great. Obviously, Clay Thompson can as well. They are a great shooting team. But the 95-96 Bulls' defense was too good. And I'm not even trying to discount that the Warriors' the Warriors defense is not good. But then you go and look at the bench. Well, you have a guy like Tony Kuko who scored 20 points off the bench. Andre Iguodala is fantastic for uh, the Warriors. I think there is too much from top to bottom. Top to bottom, the Warriors might even be a better team talent-wise. But as far as the key players go, those three key players of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, uh, and Dennis Rodman – I think is the reason they win that series, Stingray. Well, I have to disagree with you. I, I think all that is good, and um, all those players are wonderful for the Bulls, but I just think in today's time, the Warriors would find a way to eke out the series win in seven games. Seven games. Here, Well, here's the crazy thing. Isn't it a shame we'll never get to see that in real life? That's one reason people do play video games, though. They made a video games to where you can make that 95-96 Bulls team play the Warriors team of today, and I guess have yes. fun. Um, real quick, who do you think has the better fan base, Bulls Warriors? Uh, I'd say Bulls because I'd say the, I think the Warriors' actual fans, um, uh, I, don't, I don't really know who their actual fans are, and they're, they're great and loyal and all, um, but 
you let the Warriors start losing, then everybody's going to be jumping off yeah, the bandwagon they, to another team. Listen, listen, I, I live in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, driving around, I saw a guy who had an SUV that was literally, literally painted with Golden State's logo on the side of it. Yes, I agree. I, I saw that too. <laughs> and I actually posted that on Facebook really? and Twitter. Really? Yes. Um, so I, I think they're, they're all bandwagon. And I understand it's fun to root for a team like Golden State. Um, while they're winning. While they're winning. And um, just, just go ahead and stick with your team. See if you can stick with your team when they lose. Because eventually, all these star one-in-a-generation players like Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, they go away. And speaking of Kobe Bryant, uh, Wednesday night, which actually will be tomorrow night, will end the 20-year run of Kobe Bryant. And believe it or not, the tickets for courtside at Los Angeles at the Staples Center, $27,000. Landon, would you ever in <laughs> your right mind pay $27,000 per ticket to see a basketball game? Well, I tell you what, if I'm able to pay $27,000, I'm probably pretty good. I, I should be fine. If I'm able to just do that and not think about it, uh, but no, obviously not. TV is much a better option. Um, but Kobe Bryant's going to go down as one of the best players. I know people will use a lot of different tickets about him that maybe he, he was whiny, uh, that he didn't pass enough. Um, he is one of the best scoring talents I think we're ever going to see. And uh, he, is, he is all-time my favorite player. He and I also, Stephen, he and I have the exact same birthday. So we're pretty much the same guy. Really? Minus my athleticism. Right. All right. Well, where would you rather be Wednesday night witnessing the – NBA record at the Warriors or seeing Kobe Bryant, one of the best players in all the NBA, for the last time on the court in a Lakers jersey, I have to go with Kobe Bryant because you can always go see Steph Curry. Yeah, and obviously you could say, hey, I was there when they when they won the record and, and broke history, but it would be so special and probably really emotional to watch Kobe walk off the court uh, in a Laker uniform for the final time. Even if he's not even going to have a great game, um, you know it's just going to be very special. Yes, I completely agree. And uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Stingray and Tuck Show. Next week, we're going to get into the NBA more with our uh, sports guy, our NBA analyst, Absolutely, yeah. We will get into that. Uh, also get into our articles as well on the Stingray and, Stingray and Tuck Show.com. Uh, make sure you read those. Also send us your questions at our Twitter, at Stingray Tuck. Uh, we absolutely we, we do that. And make sure you use our hashtag, hashtag SRT Show, uh, to get our attention with different, different, uh, different things and different topics. Uh, we are really, really excited. And uh, we will have more guests on throughout the season like we had today with Stephen M. Smith. And real quick before we go, this weekend, like we said, is the spring games for the Alabama and Mississippi State. Let's get a check of the weather if you're going to the game with Chief Meteorologist Richard Scott of WVUA.
Hey, it's that time of the year to talk about some spring football. First off, start you off at Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Broadity Stadium. Alabama's 8 day game, 2 o'clock on Saturday. Plenty of sunshine for that game. It's going to be warm, mid-upper 70s likely. If you're sitting on the sunlit side of the stadium, it is going to be downright hot. If you sit on the shaded side of the stadium, it will feel a lot better for Alabama's 8 day game. Over in Starkville, maroon and white spring game. Happy to go over at Davis Wade Stadium. 11 o'clock kickoff, plenty of sunshine. That game's looking fantastic. Temperatures will be in those low to mid-70s. I'm Richard Scott for the Stingray and Tuck Show. Thank you so much, Richard. And I'm actually going to the Mississippi State spring game this weekend. So make sure you come up, say hi, get your picture taken, and whatever. All right, I'm Stingray, along with Landon Tucker. You have just finished listening to the first ever Stingray and Tuck Show. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.